Welcome to another edition of San Joaquin Spotlight. This is a public broadcast we're airing on CMAC, Comcast 93 and AT&T 99. That's in the Fresno and Clovis area. We're on Talk Radio 1550 KXEX. That's on the AM dial in the Central Valley of California. And finally, we're on podcasts, actually on Spotify and various other podcast mediums. And our guest this week is an author, and a friend of mine told me about her, and I was very interested in her story about how she got the story to write for this book. Her name is Joan Shetler. She's a local author. Welcome to the program. Well, thank you. I really appreciate your invitation to share my uh, book, The Honey Jar, and it's a middle grade novel. And it's a story about a young Armenian boy whose journey to um, freedom during 1920, during the Armenian genocide. So um, it's a it's a book that's very important to tell. There are very few stories for that age group written. So the story came to me and I wrote it. Well, and before we get there, which, by the way, a friend of mine told me about you and yeah. this book that you had written. And I thought, what a great way and great audience to learn about this book or to read this book. Uh, tell us a little bit about yourself. So you, I, I presume you've got other books out, correct? I do. I do. I have uh, three other books. Uh, the first one, a couple of them are behind me, is Good Fortune in a Wrapping Cloth. And this is set in Korea in the 1700s. And I received the um, Asian American uh, Literary Award for that. I have Ruth Asawa's Sculpting Life, another picture book about an uh, Asian American artist in San Francisco who's done amazing wild, uh, fire sculptures. And many of you will probably recognize this, A Home for George. And I was <laughs> invited to participate in uh, starting a series of books about George. And so I wrote the first one on how he got to the hospital. Well, and, and it's pretty cool because I want our audience members to know that when you talk about George, because, you know, you showed the book. So our TV audience were tipped off on what who we're talking about. But George is Valley Children's Hospitals, George, correct? The giraffe. That's right. That's right. Yeah. So this is uh, they, the first book. They wanted to know how he got to the hospital. So I did a little research and was a little creative and put that put that up there. And then my most recent book that we're going to talk about today is The Honey Jar. And as I said, it's an Armenian boy's uh, journey to freedom. So first question that you might get by mm -hmm. people who read the book is you're not Armenian. You're not Armenian. You're not married to an Armenian. I mean, you might have cousins that are Armenian, if that, but how did this come about for you? Well, um, you're right. I'm not Armenian, but I, my grandchildren are, my daughter-in-law is Armenian. So we have that little piece, but this is a story that, um, I didn't go looking for a story about Armenia or Armenian people. And in uh, 2017, San Joaquin Valley Hall had a lecture series. Uh, and during one of their lecture series, they had uh, a group of Armenian scholars who talked about man's inhumanity to man. And during that, you know, I just learned a lot and certainly knew a lot of people in the community. I have a lot of friends who are Armenian. And that story just sort of sparked a little interest in me. I came home that afternoon and Kalem Kazarian, who's a wonderful contractor, was working at our house. And I said, Kalem, how did your family come to the United States? And he said, now that's an interesting story. And he proceeded, and I said, 
tell me it. And he proceeded to tell me the story, how his grandfather was the, the person who brought his family. And his father was given charge of three young siblings as they escaped from cars, Armenia, uh, cars, Armenia. And on the journey, he was young. He was hungry. He was tired. He uh, was separated from his family and he gave his youngest sister away. She was two. And that's, so, and before we get there, this is, is I, I want to just talk about how life is so interesting. I mean, those of you who, those who watch this program for the years we've been on and listen, know that I'm always, I, I, I just, I love life and I love how small our world is. I mean, for you, you went to listen to a, a series and then you come home and there's an Armenian guy working in your house. I mean, I hate, you know, I'm, I'm simplifying, I'm oversimplifying, but Armenian guy working on your house and you ask him how his family got here and it turns into a book. I mean, isn't that half, interesting? Half, you're right. And I, I think when you are open to listening and you are curious about what's going on in the world, things happen, things come to you. And halfway through his telling of this experience, I thought, I want to write that story. And I remember, I'm sure it was right after he finished. If not, it would have been the second time we met and I had him tell it to me again. And I asked him if I could write the story. And of course we waited and and then it came about. And it was wonderful. Caleb shared family photos. They uh, He had put together, their family had put together sort of a little family history. And But what I treasured the most, his grandfather, Peter Kazarian, in his 80s, um, was uh, interviewed by the family. And so they had a tape recording, they had this audio tape. So I listened to that and, and it just was so rich in, in details. And the story, of course, his story went beyond where my story does, because this is a book for children. But it was just wonderful hearing his story, hearing his voice. And it was interesting. Well, it was interesting because when I looked at the, the transcript script, I wrote it all out, and it was maybe four single spaced pages, and then from that, I created a book. It's so it's so interesting because as you talk, our audience members know this because when I've covered the topic, I've said it. it you know, my grandpa left us an audio tape of his survival. Mm -hmm. And, and I did the very thing you did, you know, wrote it out and then yeah. translated it. And so, but going back to the story now, yes. this is not for adults. So you, you can't, I mean, and you're the expert here, not me, but you can't be too graphic, but you want to tell the story. You had to work a balance here. I mean, it's not, it's not easy to convey this message about this story of survival that touches very touching areas to an audience that's not an adult right i mean tell us how you wrote this book that that is that's really true and i cannot tell you how many people will say you wrote it and it's for fourth grade through seventh grade so i knew that and, and i i knew i could not touch on many of the issues that we know as adults and that we can relearn as adults what the armenian genocide is but this is a story, it's a personal story, it's a human story. It's a story of, of a family, of loss, of love, of hope. And all of those are universal characteristics in the story. So those are embedded in the story. Uh, this is not something that's graphic, but it's powerful. 
And when you say it's not for adults, it's interesting because just through the book signings that I've had recently and, and the books getting out there, and it's the adults who are writing back to me and they're talking to me about their feelings and their emotions as I they wrote the story and how how did you get all of those components that are important in the Armenian culture in there? And it's a lot of research that I loved. It was talking to people, going to lectures, going to Armenian celebrations, visiting Armenian um, memorials. I went just in the, it was after the book was out, but I went, Fresno State had a commemoration on uh, April 24th, it was there. So it was just that constant interacting with, with the Armenian people and people were very open with their stories and sharing it, it with me. So, so I don't that answer. So the graphic part, I mean, I knew I had to show the feelings and the separation of the family, but I couldn't go into a lot of the uh, really difficult components. And, I think it's difficult enough as it's written. And, and, you know, I've heard good things about your book. So, you. uh, I mean, I congratulate you, but also compliment you because you took a, uh, I mean, oh, you know, the story is not all sad, but you took a sad part right. of the story mm -hmm. and and made it presentable for an audience that's fourth through seventh grade. So I want to get back to first, how did you get the name Honey Jar? I thought it's very interesting yeah. because, you know, I, I thought of my grandma right away and her Honey Jar. Uh, really? Oh, that was, so there's a story right there. <laughs> People ask me that. And so in the story, there's a honey jar. And so the mother's not able to leave with the family, with the children. She's sick. She's not able to go. And when we talked about having to get into the characters of the story, I had to really think this mother is sending her children off. And I thought if I had to do that, I could not even imagine having to do that. But if I did, I would send something with them, something that would hold them together, something that would nurture them, something that represented my love. And so the honey jar is the piece that I gave and the because it's full of, of honey and nourishment and sweetness and memory. Because in the story, the mother is uh, has beehives. And, and actually, if you go in cars, I, I love doing research. And in the, the uh, community of cars around there, Bees, even today, honey is a really important part of the car's economy. So it worked, it worked beautifully. And you'll have to read the whole story to see how <laughs> the honey jar is there again. And the, the book is available on Amazon, I presume. Where where can people find the book? Well, Petunia's Place is our uh children's bookstore, amazing bookstore. It's at uh on um Palm and Bullard and uh so they have it there. Also, Barnes & Noble has it. Uh, Amazon has it. And uh, many, many bookstores do. So it's called Honey Jar. Mm -hmm. But I, let's go back to the way the research you did for this mm -hmm. book. So you get home after this lecture. I love the story, by the way. Mm -hmm. And uh, there is an Armenian contractor working in your home. And now did you, on the way home, or or whenever you decided you're going to talk to uh, Caleb, did you know that he's going to have this story? I mean, or or was it like, you know, you, you just, you know. Actually, I didn't think about it at all. Not at all. And actually, I think that when I talked to him that day, it was the first or maybe second time that I talked to him 
and met him. I mean, he, he was here. I think we were just starting the job. And I just, it, so that just, just came. And I think that um, sometimes stories are surprises. And this is a surprise. This is a story that, that came, as I say, I wasn't looking for it and it's here. So. And what did you learn from this book? I mean, you wrote it, so I know you learned a lot, but one of the most important things, if someone were to ask you as an author writing this book and your research, what is the most important thing that you learned? It's going to be a tough one because I'm sure you learned a lot, but what was your takeaway? Oh, I almost have to go back. And this certainly wasn't something that I thought about when I was writing it, because as I was writing it, I, I needed to know about the history, the culture of cars and the people about the Armenian people. But at the end, I think, and I go back to that lecture, the title of the lecture was Man's Inhumanity to Man. And I think that that piece, as I finish the books, I take it out and present it. It's that piece. There's nothing that says that in the story, but I feel that that's very important. And when I, when I was doing the research, the Armenian genocide was the first genocide in the 20th century and went on from there to the Holocaust and to Rwanda and to Syria and to Bosnia. And I was shocked at all of those genocides. I didn't think of it. So in a way that made this really powerful because I wanted to delve into that and maybe we can learn from history. Maybe there's that piece that we can look at something that tore a family apart. Things like that are happening today all over the world. And so let's look at that story. Let's, let's give children an opportunity to see how another child navigates through that. But that's certainly, that's something that came later. Does that answer your question? It does. Great answer, by the way. And so as an author, you write this book. Books like this, and maybe I'm wrong, but books like this are not intended to make you a million dollars and you're going to be rich. And I know I exaggerate during my interviews, but but what is your goal with this book? Because if it's to educate, I think you've met that goal. Uh-huh. My goal is to, is to educate. That's the most important piece. And it is very important to me that this book gets into schools and libraries. And that would be my goal because that's really who it's for. It's not a bedtime story that the parents are going to pick up and read to their children then, but that's very important. There is um, an organization called the um, Armenian Genocide Education Project Mm -hmm. and now is going beyond just the Armenian genocide, but that's going into schools and teaching children about the genocide. And so this book would partner in, in a place like that. Also the um, in April of 22, the uh, US House of Representatives passed a bill so that um, genocide education can begin to be placed in high schools and now they're dropping it down a little bit more. So maybe this is a piece that could step into um, fourth, fourth, fifth, sixth grade and, and step into that. And that's a great goal. So our audience members listening to this program now, go out and get the book, first of all, The Honey Jar, but also, you know, try to encourage the schools to to have a book like this in the schools, because 
I I'm not and I'm not 100 percent sure, but I don't think there is a book like this for this age group in the schools. I don't know that there is in, in the schools either. So I would if so if any librarians or teachers or administrators are listening to this podcast, that that would be wonderful to to place this, this book into your the hands of your children. And I also um, I, I think it's a book that once you read it, don't put it on the shelf, share it. Because, because that's what needs to be done. The story needs to get out. See, and I love, this is what I love about that comment you just made. You're Once someone reads it, share it with somebody else. If you were in there in it for profit, you would say, read it and have somebody else go buy it and have somebody else go buy it. But I love that, that what you're doing with education here. Now, I'm dying to know, Calum, the, the book is about who, who, most of the book is about what did he think did did he read this book and what was his thoughts he did and he read a very early version of it and i remember he was uh he came by and he was going to one of his children's soccer games and he said how you know he he slipped away and just started reading it reading it then and and he you know read in a couple different versions of it which was important but i think that i know the family is is pleased to to have this story and so let's go into detail about you as an author now you're from fresno or talk about your background a little bit talk about what got you interested in even writing because writing books is a long endeavor it is a long endeavor i grew up in san bruno and when you say it's a long endeavor, it really started there at the public library. So I salute all librarians and public libraries. They are essential to our community. So I began reading a lot then. I uh, got my teaching credential and started working in fourth grade, and I loved it. But after a couple of years, I decided I wanted to specialize. I wanted to sort of just really become as expert as I could be in a certain area. So I went to Fresno Pacific University and received a master's of arts in uh, reading and writing. From there, I worked with Fresno Unified as a literacy specialist and had the wonderful opportunity also to work in the education department at Fresno State. During that time, I read and read and read. I would go into classrooms in the elementary school and read four or five books a day. And then I would take big box load of books for my college students. I didn't realize at that time what was going on. All of that reading was filtering into my mind. We were looking at characterization and setting and words and language and genre, all of those pieces feeding into this old brain of mine. And then I had lunch one day with a very famous author, Patricia Polacco. And over lunch, I said, Patricia, where do all of your stories come from? And she said, well, inside. And she pointed her finger at me and she said, and Joan, they're inside you too. And I thought, mm, right, she might have them inside her. <laughs> I certainly don't have them inside me. And then I finally took pen to paper and found out I do have stories in me. And so that that began my journey. So you, after writing the dra first draft, mm -hmm. when do you know that a book is ready? Because I could, as you could imagine, <laughs> I mean, you know, as an author, the, you know, once the creative juices flow, you might get creative again in reading the first draft. So, you know, I've I've written op-eds before for the B and I've written op-eds before on topics. And and when I write them, I say, OK, I'm done. I'm not adding any more. <laughs> I'm this read is only to edit punctuation. 
That's it. So talk a little bit about writing. By the, and by the way, I'm a huge fan of reading and I'm a huge fan of writing. And I think if you're a good reader and a good writer, especially in applications and resumes, you're already ahead of the game because a lot of times people are not very, and, and I'm not meaning this as a criticism. So, but people are not very attention detail oriented when it comes to writing. So I'm a fan of writing, but when do you know your writing is completely done? Someone told me early on when you read, when you write, you write the draft, then you write maybe another one and another one. And then you think, all right, I'm done. This is it. And I've been in a writing group for 20 years now, amazing group of women. We're all published or almost getting our first books out there. It's just, it's great. But they said, after you write something, put it aside and don't look at it. Sorry. <laughs> write it. And, and don't look at it for three weeks or a month. And I thought, that's crazy. This book is ready to go. Well, I learned it really it wasn't ready to go. So that that whole process of being involved in in a critique group, being part of a uh, the Society of Children's Book Writers and Illustrators, reading, 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 writing all the time, all of that's important. So for this particular book, I probably finished it in maybe 2015, 16. Maybe it took me a year, year and a half. Sent it out. It didn't get picked up. And set it out a little bit more. It still didn't get picked up. And I was a little disappointed. But before I sent it out, I wanted to have, um, I needed to have an Armenian reader, someone who would make sure that everything I said was correct. So I went to the um, Armenian Museum here and I asked Varjan Dersimonian if he could direct me to someone who could do that. He said, I will do it. He read the story. Six years later, about six years later, he called me actually in December of 2001 and said, Joan, I can't get that book off my mind and I want to get, help you get it published. And so we talked a little bit and I said, let me just try one more time. Let me do one more submission. So I submitted it to a publishing house here, Bushel and Peck, and the contract came very, very shortly after. And it was really, yeah, it was great. So the timing, the timing wasn't right five or six years ago. Affected away. It just happened to be the right time. But that revision part is very important. That you know there was constant revision going on. So good for you for sticking with it, and good for <laughs> you for continuing with it. I mean, I and uh, by the way you know, audience members who are just tuned in. We're talking to Joan Schittler. She is a author. She's got a new book on out called The Honey Jar. Honey Jar. And she's, for our audience members watching this, she just picked up the book. Uh, it's about a local family, about uh, uh, the Armenian genocide, but written for fourth to seventh grade readers. So go out, take a look at your bookstore online. Barnes & Nobles has it. Pick it up support local art or uh, support local writers and uh, you know as, as we run out of time this week on the program i wanted to uh, ask you a few more questions and then i know you have something to tell our audience members but writing you know a lot of times people shy away from it because they feel like they're not very good isn't writing such a critical, critical piece of our daily lives, I would say? It is. It is. It's, it's telling your story. I had a cousin who who uh, started writing his family stories, and he called me once and he said, Joan, 
you should be writing stories about your family to pass on to the children, you know, to your children and grandchildren. And I said, John, I can't do that because I'm writing children's stories all the time. And then I paused for a minute and I looked through the stories that I've written and I am in every story. There is a piece of me in every story. And, you know, maybe even in the George story, because because I live here, I wrote that story. If I didn't live here, I wouldn't have written that story. <laughs> the other ones I could could go into. But I think writing is, is so essential in our lives. It gives us an opportunity to come to know ourselves, know who we are, where we came from, what we're interested in. When I think of writing, I think first of curiosity. If you write, you're curious about the world. You're asking questions. You're exploring whatever the topic is. is. If it's something about an oak tree and a squirrel, if it's about young children, if it's a bedtime story, all of those things feed into your curiosity. And then the creativity piece, uh, that's what I treasure so much because you have, all of us are creative. We all are. There's something within us that that's called to be who we are. And whether it's through paint and coloring and or art and sketching, that creativity is there. And then that sense of community too, that, that is so important, having that writing community around you too. Is, well, is we're almost out of time. And uh, hint, hint, I'm cueing you for okay. something that we talked about uh, off air. So go ahead. Okay, so this is just one small piece. So in this whole process, I met with a, a local author, Armin Bacon, and we were talking one day and she said, well, Joan, there's, there's an Armenian saying and I love the saying, says that three pomegranates fell down from heaven, one for the storyteller, one for the listener, and one for the world. And I think of that, and I think of this story, because as I mentioned earlier, I was not looking for an Armenian story. I was not looking for a, a Holocaust story or a, a genocide story, but the story came to me, and I wrote it. And now the story is beginning to have a life of its own. It's being offered to, to readers everywhere. And after that, where does it go in the world? I don't know. But I think that as we share this story in that way, it when I read that that Armenian saying, I just thought it was so true for Perfect. this story Perfect. and for all stories. And it's very true. Perfect way to talk about this book. We are out of time this week on the program. Thank you to our audience members watching this broadcast on CMAC, Comcast 93, and AT&T 99. Thank you to those listening on Talk Radio 1550, KXEX in the Central Valley of California. And thank you to those listening to the podcast, San Joaquin Spotlight. We're on Anchor FM, Spotify, and various other podcast-type medians. I'm your host, Sevak Tatiosian. Our guest has been local author, just released her latest book, The Honey Jar, out now. Joan Shetler. Joan, thank you so much for joining. Oh, thank you very much for the opportunity to share my book and a little bit about writing. So thank you very much. And share the book. <laughs> That's thank all you. for this edition. Tune in next week to a new edition.
This program was made possible in part by FaceLogic Essential Skin Care and Spa in Clovis.